And welcome into another episode of American Ag Today, produced by the American Ag Network. I'm your host, Jesse Allen. And joining us now as we talk about the weather forecast here for the week ahead and maybe a bit of a pattern change coming up. We're joined by our good friend Eric Snodgrass of Nutrient. Eric, happy new year to you. Good to have you back on the show. Hope you're doing well. Yeah, it is. It's a it's a it's been an interesting start to the new year. And you're right about the pattern change because the the end of December versus the beginning of January felt like two entirely different things, right? We finished the year with mm-hmm. this massive Arctic outbreak and then we started it off with really mild weather. And then there's been just onslaught of flow coming into the western United States off of an extended jet that's just soaked California. And they get under the week of this coming through. In fact, if you just think about the overall drought picture of the United States, we've seen reductions in the eastern climate. We've seen the reductions in the southern United States over the lower Mississippi River Valley and, and major reductions in the west. In fact, I saw last week uh, Folsom Lake, that's one of the big reservoirs out west, came up 300,000 acre feet, added 300,000 acre feet of water. Oroville at the end of last week was up 60 feet in depth. I mean, that's incredible. And some places out west have another um, several inches of rain, maybe maybe over a foot of rain still to come at higher elevations. Now, the Central Valley doesn't get that much, but they're getting a lot. Some places up mm-hmm. to three or four inches in total precip. The Sierra Nevada are getting just absolutely packed with snow, and they're starting to get closer and closer to some of the numbers we want to see going forward. But who's not been getting this has been Southern Plains. It's been part of the hard red winter wheat belt. The Canadian prairie has been drier through all of this. And uh, so we need to see if this potential shift in a pattern could be um, could impact things. And so here's what it is. We've been mild here. We've been mild in Europe. We've been mild in China. All the colder has been in Russia and Siberia. We watched very carefully all last week for any hint of a change. And the hint that just kind of came out lately is that the colder air that's in Russia is going to come across China. Now, this is what's going to change the pattern. That's going to take the extended jet and start to bust it up way over there, which is going to retract it back toward China and Japan and stop the strong onshore flow into the West. Now, if that occurs, that changes our temperature profile here. That changes our precipitation pattern here. And it's not a bad change. It is just change. Mm -hmm. And so I think that means that the end of this month, uh, you know, getting out there past maybe the 17th, 18th, 19th, we should expect to see a much, much different, probably colder uh, in some places, not Arctic cold, but colder uh, and uh, maybe better chances for more snow and, and rain east, which is a place that would like to see it, whereas the West could get a break. Yeah, because I, you know, I watched the the seven to ten day outlook here for the U.S. and you know, you alluded to it, relatively dry, relatively mild east of the Rockies. I just this is feels unheard of for this time of year with how quiet the the pattern is right now. But as you alluded to, that change sounds like it's on the way here, Eric. Yeah, and before it gets there, we do have two systems we will watch east of the Rockies. So one that's going to come out mid to late this week, going to go across parts of the Midwest. It might bring some snow from like Kansas, maybe into Missouri, Illinois, uh, but some heavier rain, maybe some storms in your area, actually, and south of you. Uh, and then there's another one coming out after that. And 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 the, so in other words, it's not fully dry everywhere, but mm-hmm. uh, it's, it's not what we can get this time of year. That's for certain. So uh, the question will be, when does that mild air really just disappear? And I'll be honest with you, I've been focused a lot. I mean, it's important in North America, but it's actually quite important in Europe too. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think what's so important about it in Europe is just what it could possibly be doing to the snowpack, like in, 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 in Switzerland or in the Alps. Because you think about it, that's kind of the source later on in spring where the waters melt and fill up like the Rhine. Could it be an early season drought indicator that we don't see 
a tremendous amount of snowpack in the Alps right now. I don't know. That's something I'll be watching carefully. Well, I know we are also watching carefully South America. So as we take a look at Brazil and Argentina, I know we're hearing the talk continue about the dryness and drought concerns in Argentina while Brazil still getting some of those good rains. But as you step back, take a look at everything here as we get into January, what's the latest you're seeing with South America? And does this pattern change affect South America as well? Yeah, that's going to be the tricky part because a lot of what's going on right now in South America is being driven by tropical features and everything else I just talked about was way northern hemisphere. So La Nina is likely past its peak. It's still strong, but past its peak. The westerly winds that have been coming out of the Indian Ocean are almost gone. So that means it's just up to the trades and the trade winds that are coming across the Pacific are still strong, but they're no longer meeting these strong westerly wind bursts. Now you're saying, okay, what the heck does that mean? Well, that means that in the near term, we still get decent rains across parts of central Brazil. It's a little drier north in Mato Grosso. They're going to be happy with that because they're trying to harvest. They want to harvest fast, get the spring crop in. No major issues seen there yet. But because of another factor in the southern hemisphere, we call it the Antarctic Oscillation. Okay, It's just a pressure pattern across the southern hemisphere because it's still positive. Every time we see the models attempt to forecast rain for Argentina, closer you get to that time period, they keep backing off. And it happened again. So we're looking at another seven to 10 days of drier conditions in Argentina. And uh, I mean, this is like pushing them through the hardest summer with very, very dry conditions. So the result is, is that we don't have anything beneficial coming in there, which is going to continue to make that a story. So Brazil is doing fine, most of it. And Argentina is the place that's struggling. Well, Eric, you mentioned La Nina there too. And with this pattern change coming, and you mentioned La Nina probably hitting its peak are we going to see that flip to an El Nino type weather scenario? What are we seeing there as we kind of get into this first part of the new year? Yeah, it's fading. La Nina is fading. And, and, and will we see El Nino return? Well, his, history would tell you that normally after strong La Nina's, the pattern just doesn't go back to normal. It tends to over, kind of overshoot. And if it does, we could be talking a whole lot more about El Nino come late spring and summer. Um, you know, it takes a while to transition, but it could mm -hmm. and do it quite quickly. Uh, but before that, we'll bring up that other, you know, dirty phrase in atmospheric sciences called the polar vortex. We're actually watching it potentially be disrupted here over the next seven to 10 days. And that could be a story for February. So even before we see that La Nina lose its full grip and El Nino conditions possibly returning, we'll be talking about the rest of, a, of a, what could be a pretty tumultuous February and early March. Well, hopefully that's not the case. I don't want to bust out the uh, the long johns and, and the heavy jackets again, but we'll uh, I'll obviously keep that in our uh, in our view and keep that on our minds. Eric, uh, appreciate the time as always. Thanks for joining us here this week, and uh, we'll talk to you again next week. Yeah, sounds good. See you later. Well, again, we appreciate his time and insight. That's Eric Snodgrass of Nutrien. One other note here on American Ag Today, pollinators are a big part of success in world agriculture. The USDA granted a conditional license for a vaccine to protect the country's honeybees from foul brood disease. Earth.com says the bacterial infection weakens and kills honeybee colonies and has no treatment. The vaccine was developed by Dolan Animal Health and brings hope for a weapon against the disease that regularly ravages colonies that are highly important to food pollination in parts of the U.S. The foul brood disease has been found in over a quarter of honeybee hives. Beekeepers typically destroy and burn infected colonies and administer antibiotics to stop the further spread of the disease. Very interesting stuff there. Again, the world's first honeybee vaccine has gotten approval. Well, that's going to do it for American Ag Today here today, produced by the American Ag Network. I'm your host, Jesse Allen, wishing you and yours a great rest of your day. Thanks for joining us.